Welcome. You're listening to Mark and Jackie's Wildlife and Photography Podcast. Explore and learn about the natural world and how to take pictures. This podcast is all about photography. Our aim is to help you improve your pictures. It doesn't matter what camera you use. We want to stimulate your creative side, get you taking pictures that you will want to share with other people. Episode 7. Should you master manual exposure mode? We're going to be talking about manual exposure when you're taking your pictures and when you're using your camera. Now, it may be that your camera doesn't allow you to use manual mode, but still listen to the podcast because I'm sure there'll be something of interest for you. There are lots of different techniques that we're going to be talking about and things that you can probably apply to your camera that you're using even if it hasn't got a manual mode. The reason for this podcast is because we see an awful lot of information banded about on the internet and in written articles about using manual mode and how it should be used and whether it's professional or you don't really know what you're doing unless you're using manual mode. And then we're going to try and dispel some of the mystique and myths about manual mode in this podcast. And hopefully we'll give you enough information that you can make your own judgment as to whether you should or shouldn't be using manual mode. We're not going to try and persuade you to use it or not to use it, but what we'll try and do is to give you enough information so that you'll be happy and understand why you should use it in some cases and why possibly you don't want to use it. We'll also give you some options of exposure modes that you can use when you're taking your pictures and when to use them, and why you're using them. Let me explain what manual mode is, so that we're all at the same place on the page. A manual mode, for setting exposures anyway, is when the person taking the picture sets the shutter and the aperture and the ISO settings. Unlike the automatic modes on the camera that will set all those settings for you, you have to do it all. There are benefits to using this mode, but there are disadvantages as well. If you've taken up photography perhaps in the last 20 or so years, you won't appreciate where photography came from. When I started, there was only manual mode. For me, there wasn't an option of letting the camera do all the settings. I had to do it all. A top-of-the-range Nikon at the time, which was an F2, didn't have a built-in meter at all. A few years later, after I started, if you wanted to get a built-in meter, you could buy a pentaprism head, a completely new head for the top of the camera that was called a photomic head. And that allowed you to do some metering using the camera. But other than that, you had to use a, a light meter to take a meter reading and then to set that meter reading onto the camera itself. So you would take a meter reading, an incident, reflective spot or flash reading or or not forgetting of course color temperature if you were using a particular type of film you ended up with lots of light meters hung around your neck or stuffed into pockets so you took your meter reading being careful of exactly what you took a meter reading of or how you took it you then transferred the information that you got from the meter to the shutter and the aperture on the camera 
The ISO, as it is now, or in my day, it was ASA or DIN setting, which is the speed of the film that you were using, was set when you loaded the camera. You didn't have the option of changing those. So you were set really when you change roles. If it was getting a bit dim, you used to change to a higher ASA. Those film speeds were measured using the American Standards Association, which is the ASA, or the the DIN system, which is the Deutsche Institute Nomek, which is the German Institute. Film ASA was superseded by ISO in the mid-80s, and the equivalent to the ISO settings were transferred to digital cameras when they came along. ISO is the body that regulates the standards. It's the International Organization for Standardization. So that's why you were limited to what you could do. Kodachrome, for instance, only came in two speeds. Now, Kodachrome was a famous Kodak transparency film that we used a lot of, but it was 25 or 64 ASA. So that would be equivalent of either 25 or 64 ISO on your digital camera. If you use another transparency film called Ektachrome, then that was slightly faster. You could get 100 ASA speed film or 200 ASA. Don't forget that would be ISO now if you were setting it on your digital camera. So manual mode was the norm for me. That's how I learnt photography. That's what I had to do for every picture I wanted to take. You can imagine that it was a hell of a shock for me when I picked up a modern digital camera for the first time. They take me to readings, you know. They set the speed and the aperture. They even focus the lens. The sensors that they have in them have got stops of latitude. By latitude, I mean that you can over or underexpose quite a lot and still get a picture. Kodachrome, for instance, had an exposure latitude of about one stop, if you were lucky. Today's modern sensors can have up to five or six stops of latitude. And if you don't really know what exposure you're using, you can always look at the back of a digital camera. You can see the picture that you've just taken. On the mirrorless cameras now, you're actually looking at an image. You can actually adjust the exposure through the viewfinder. The only way we could check whether there was going to be a good exposure or not was if you were using a medium or a large format camera, was to use Polaroid. And to be honest, that really didn't come into the equation till probably the middle 80s for me. When I talk to people, or as I said earlier, read articles, manual exposure is held up as something that you should be using all the time. And to be honest, when I hear that or read that, I give myself a little smile and think, "Eh, back in the day, that's all I had. I could certainly have used some of these automatic features when I was trudging around in fields and warehouses and offices and all over the place taking pictures and it's held up as something that people should be aspiring to should be using all the time do i use manual exposure all the time no i don't do i think about the exposure all the time yes i do there's a big difference between those two having control is a great thing and the two biggest influences on the final picture or aperture and shutter speed. Aperture, because it gives you a depth of field or depth of focus, depending on which 
you prefer. For those of you not in the know, depth of field is how much of the image is actually in sharp focus. If you open a lens right up to its maximum aperture, you'll normally find that only a small part of the image, back to front, is actually sharp. And as you close the aperture down, it gets smaller. That depth of field will increase. So you get more and more of a a sharp band in your picture that's in focus. So by setting the aperture, you choose how much you're going to have in focus. So for instance, if you're taking a portrait, you may decide that you only need from the tip of the nose to the back of the head in sharp focus. And you set the aperture compared to what lens you're using. Shutter speed, on the other hand, freezes the subject. So if you use a very fast shutter speed, fast-moving objects will appear stationary. Or if you use a very long shutter speed, you can get a blurry result. See lots of pictures of water and waterfalls where people have used a long shutter speed so that the water appears blurry. These are aesthetic considerations. And that's what they should be. That's what exposure is all about making a decision on what you want your picture to be. Now, as I said a bit earlier, digital cameras have ISO, and the ISO on a digital camera, you can adjust it up or down. On a digital camera, is a bit like turning a volume knob up and down. It just increases the amplification of the signal coming from the sensor. So you can choose what ISO you want, and it will affect the final result, obviously. The higher the ISO you use, the grainier or the more noise you'll get in the picture. But that was ever so. If you wanted to take pictures in very dark conditions when I first started, you had to use very fast film. 1600 ASA was about the fastest you could go. After that, the big clumps of silver on the image made recognising anything in the picture a bit difficult. So do I use manual mode? Yeah, I do. I use it on rare occasions. I use it for studio work, for instance. I will set the camera to a shutter speed that syncs with the flash guns we use. I'll set the aperture to give me the depth of field that I need. I'll then use the flash guns to change the exposure and to change the ratio between them. So in that case, I don't want the camera or the meter to keep changing the exposure. So yeah, I use it in manual mode for studio work. I tend to use it for syncing flash and daylight exposures. That's probably because of my upbringing that I prefer to work things out in my head because that's how I did it for 20 odd years. I use it on time lapse, especially if I want the time lapse to be a constant exposure throughout its length. I use it for focus stacking because I want the exposure to be the same from the start of the stack to the end of the stack. That's why I use manual mode. I use it to keep the exposure the same from shot to shot. But most of the time, we use one of two modes. We either use shutter priority or aperture priority. If you're using a Canon or a Nikon, I know what the settings are on a camera. So I can tell you that shutter priority on a camera is TV or on a Nikon it's S. An aperture priority is AV on a Canon an A on a Nikon. Now, if you use another model of camera, I'm sorry, but I don't know what the settings are. But if you look in your manual or you read the back of the camera, it'll tell you whether you can set a shutter or an aperture priority. 
We use TV, which is the time value. And effectively, TV means that you've set the shutter speed to a particular speed. And the camera will then try and change either the aperture or it'll change the ISO. So for the time value or shutter speed, we use that for fast moving subjects, whether that be mammals or birds in flight, for instance. That's because we want to be able to freeze the action in a split second. So we need to choose what speed we think is going to be needed. So, for instance, a fast moving bird in the sky, maybe a thousandth to two thousandths of a second. We use the aperture value or AV in Canon for general wildlife or for macro because we want a certain depth of field. And we think, well, maybe if the depth of field isn't quite as big, it'll blur the background. Or maybe we want it from front to back, we want it all in focus to show an animal in its environment. So in these modes, I either set it to time value or to aperture value. I set what I want to use to get the picture I want and let the camera sort the other bits out and also change the ISO if it needs. On our cameras, you can set the ISO to only go up to a certain uh, value and that stops it shooting up into an area where the pictures, in our opinion, become unusable. Now, even when you're using these modes, you still have to have a quick fiddle with the exposure. You have to add or subtract to the exposure. And that's because you're using the camera's exposure meter. And most meters are balanced to about 18% grey or a middle grey. And that is that they integrate and try and bring the exposure to that middle grey. Therefore, if your scene doesn't integrate to that 18% grey, you need to make the adjustment. When I was learning photography, we were taught that it's a black cat in a coal cellar. Probably people don't know what a coal cellar is, but in a dark cellar anyway. Or a white cat in a snowstorm. Not quite sure why they were cats. Perhaps our lecturer was a, was a cat fanatic. These scenarios of the cat in a dark cellar or a cat in a snowstorm produce over or underexposure. Now, overexposure is a loss of highlight detail, blown highlights, clipped whites, or underexposure, which give you crushed shadows or crushed blacks or clipped blacks. Both these extremes need compensation, and you need to make a compensation on your meter reading if it's a very bright subject or a very dark subject. And anything in between those extremes, you will need to make some sort of compensation. Most of the meters on the cameras these days are incredibly good. They give you a very good exposure straight out without having to do much to it. So if I was taking a picture and the aperture is set, so it would be AV on a Canon and therefore the depth of field is important. When I change and make a compensation, it will change the shutter speed and the ISO. It'll also do that if the sun comes out, the sun goes in, it'll make those adjustments for me. And I can concentrate a bit more on actually what's in the viewfinder. It's exactly the same if you're using shutter priority or TV or time value. It just then changes either the aperture or the ISO. And most cameras have some sort of exposure compensation that you can turn up and down. On a Canon, the ones we use, it's a big wheel on the back. I'm sure the camera you use will have some form of compensation. Now, the big question is, how do I know which way to turn the wheel and what to use? 
I'm afraid to say it's a bit based on experience, really. If you look at the scene, you can probably tell whether you're going to get an overexposure and underexposure. But the great thing about today's digital cameras is they've got a histogram on the back. You can look at the histogram or actually look at the screen on the back and tell whether you're getting over or underexposed. The mirrorless cameras today even have a TV screen in the viewfinder. And that viewfinder will then give you a very good indication of whether the camera is metering correctly or not. And you can make adjustments to the exposure based on what you're seeing through the viewfinder. That's where we come from. That's what we use. Do we think manual exposure mode is good for learning? Yes, it is. It teaches you the relationship between the shutter and aperture and what to use and how to use it and when to turn up or down. It shows you how exposure works. It's a great aid for learning. Will you get better exposed images? No, you won't, unfortunately. The reason being is is that you're still using the camera's exposure meter because unless you have a handheld meter or a spot meter and you take a lot of readings, you're still basically using the camera to do the exposure. All you're doing is matching up two little two little dots or two little pointers in the viewfinder. So it's not going to give you a better exposure. It'll teach you a few things about what you can do and what what happens when you turn one knob and not the other, but it's not going to improve the exposures that you're getting. With that said, all our cameras are put away at the end of the day. They're all set to aperture priority and to auto ISO. And they very rarely move from that setting, to be honest. Why do we use that? Well, if you want to grab a camera quickly because something's happening in front of you, it's going to work in the majority of cases. We can get a few shots off just by the fact that it's set to an auto ISO and to an aperture priority. Once we've got those few shots, and after all, that may be all we can ever get. If something happens in front of you, you've only got seconds to react, whether you're doing wildlife as we do or maybe in a wedding or in a social event. You've got something in the bag and worry about making changes or trying different things a bit later when you've got the time, when you can think about it for a fraction longer. We've taught a lot of people about photography, how to improve their photography. And one thing we've always stressed in those sessions is if you're going on a holiday of a lifetime or it's a special family occasion or you're under a lot of stress, if you're not certain, use auto mode. All cameras have it. Just turn it on to auto. And why should you use auto? Well, because the chances are that you will get a picture. In situations where you're under a lot of stress and you're not used to taking photographs, auto mode's a great option. It will get you a picture in most cases. If you're going somewhere and it is going to be a stressful thing, like a wedding you're attending or a family occasion, a holiday of a lifetime, and you know there's going to be an element there that's unusual, try and practice a little bit before you go. And you can always try different things if you get the chance. But auto mode will very often get you a picture. And that's the important thing in certain cases is getting a picture. If it's a once in a lifetime event, then and you want pictures to remember it by, get the picture. Our suggestion is, is to learn about exposure. Learn about how aperture and shutter speed affect your final outcome, affect your final image. But exposure really isn't that important in today's world. If you shoot in a raw format, you have plenty of exposure latitude. 
you can probably afford a stop or so's over or under exposure and still get away with the usable image. You can check the exposure on the back of the camera, either by looking at the histogram or by looking at the actual image being projected onto the back of the camera. And if you want to shoot in manual mode, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but have a good reason and know why you're shooting in manual mode and what benefits or otherwise it's going to give you. Don't blindly shoot in manual mode just because it's something you read about and people have said, oh, you should be using manual mode, you know, if you want to be, if you want to progress as a photographer. Thank goodness gone are the days when you spent half your time making sure you got a properly exposed picture. All photographers who used to take pictures on film used to fret about whether or not it was going to be exposed correctly. In the majority of cases, you'd take the picture and it would be uh, what, 12, 24, 48, 72 hours before you could actually see the results. And if you were taking something that wasn't going to ever happen again, it could be very stressful to go, well, that didn't quite come out. <laughs> Whoops. So use the luxury of digital cameras and today's technology. Free yourself up a bit from the burden of trying to get a correct exposure. Use exposure, the relationship between aperture and shutter, for what it was intended for. And that's as a creative tool. And hopefully it'll improve your photography along the way. And if not, you'll at least have a bit more understanding about what you're doing and why you're doing things. If you've liked this podcast, don't forget to tell your friends. If you think it was rubbish, don't tell anybody, just keep it to yourself. Please like or subscribe so you won't miss our next episode. And thank you very much indeed for listening. My name's Mark Bloomfield. You've been listening to a wildlife and photography podcast produced by M&J Bloomfield. For more information and details about us and our work, visit our website at mnjbloomfield.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll join us again soon. Punishin, wishin' luck.